More grace. My name is Prophet Trindell T. Tutson, pastor of the Encountered Culture Revival Center. This is just an intro, but I want to introduce this month's series called The Anatomy of the Reborn Man. The Anatomy of the Reborn Man. It's so important that we understand where we came from in the image of death likened unto the death of Christ so that we can be likened and resemble and operate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, that's the anatomy of the reborn man. Let's go into it. All right. Hey guys, welcome back. We are now into part one of the anatomy of the reborn man. So in this particular part or segment or episode or whatever you'd like to call it, I want to discuss the current state of the human man, unborn. Let's go to Genesis 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, and I'm reading out of the ESV version. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. So this death that scripture was speaking of was clearly not a physical death, uh, but a death from the original ordained nature and alignment with the kingdom of heaven in which God created mankind to live in. And we know this because Adam and Eve went on to have children. We know after God had given uh, uh, Adam his judgment and given Eve her consequence, that Adam was commanded uh, or, or declared that he would, by the sweat of his brow, that that would be how he would eat, eat if you will. Let's go to another passage of scripture. This is found in Genesis 3, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 4. And then six and seven, and it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verses six and seven. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, To make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. When the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So the death that comes upon Adam and Eve is the division and ignorance between spirit realities. 
And what do I mean by that? Adam and Eve literally lived in a sphere, in a realm, in a dimension where he literally and and she literally had such a one-on-one face-to-face communion with God. How do I know this? Because the Bible goes on to say that Adam literally heard the voice, the, the footsteps of God walking in the garden. And for God to inspire this writer, hallelujah, to use a, a, a term that is so symbolic to earthly hearing and then an earthly attribute, because we know that God is spirit. He does not have a, a, a physical body the way that we have a physical body. But for, for God to inspire this writer to use these terms, hearing him walk in the garden, that is how close Adam and Eve lived. That is proof of how close they lived with God. Where they once had the ability to commune with God on and in the same spiritual reality, disobedience now separated them. So they now can never uh, dwell in the same sphere or dimension and or realm in which God dwelt in because of the enthroned presence and spirit and nature of sin. Sin has and still causes complete and total separation from God. Whenever you're operating, whenever you're living a life of sin, you are the furthest away from God, but his love still reaches you. His love still continues to cover you. Amen. Going forward, Every man, woman, and child born after the Edenic fall is born into the fallen nature known as the Edemic nature, which is where sin was conceived, incepted, and birthed into generations and bloodlines of all the inhabitants of the earth. This current state of man is active in the lives of those who have not been reborn of the Spirit of God. This nature Hallelujah. It it has echoed throughout creation, causing bigger and bigger uh, effects. And see, in the garden, it was, and and it's not to say that the, the fall was simplified or that it was null and void or that it had no significance, but the fall in the Garden of Eden carries more weight and causes more catastrophe than it did in the garden. When you think of a rock and you throw a rock into a pond, the ripples uh, uh, circling the direct site where the rock went into the water is much smaller than the ones that are spread abroad. And that is the same way that this endemic nature operates in creation today. We literally uh, are living out the echo of the Edenic fall. Although we are now living out the echo of the fall in the Garden of Eden, Jesus comes as the second Adam and his blood causes a bigger ripple. It causes a bigger echo and this blood, this sacrifice that Jesus paid, this act of redemption that Jesus afforded us, it echoes in another frequency. So where we once were bound to the, 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 the Adamic nature, we are now 
bound and we are transformed and configured, transfigured and molded and remolded and twisted and wrapped into the nature of God, the, the likeness, the image of God because of his sacrifice. And so I want to I want to go to another passage of scripture which is found in the new, in the New Testament and this is found in John 3 verses 4 through 5 and it says Nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God And we have for so long thought that entering into the kingdom of God meant to enter into eternal rest. Yes, that has some to do with it, but that is a fragmented doctrine. To enter into the kingdom of God means that you become a part of it. You become one of its yielding members. You become a part or one of the citizens of this new kingdom. You reign under its law, under its new law and the law that reigned in your body uh, due to the edemic nature is now done away with. It is completed. It is fulfilled. It is it is obsolete. You no longer have to feel or walk around carrying the weight of that law upon you. If you have not been reborn of the Spirit of God, you are still governed by an incomplete law, the Mosaic law which has no power to ascend you or pardon you from the nature of sin. Why is this? Because you are literally weighted down by a dead nature and a noosed law. You're weighted down. The the law of the spirit affords you liberty in every aspect and in every area of your life. You no longer have to walk around with the condemnation of a sin that you uh, produced the sacrifice for. Jesus died on the cross as the once and for all sacrifice for the redemption of, 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 of man and for the remissions of sins so that you could live in liberty. You have to know that you are a new man. And with being a new man, there are attributes to this new nature. There are, there are characteristic traits to this new nature. You must know that you are a reborn man. Let's dive into the anatomy of this reborn nature. So in order to understand the anatomy of this reborn man that we've been created into, we have to assess, hallelujah, what we went through before we were reborn and we walked as dead men. The first thing I want to talk about is the the nature of sin. There was uh, uh, the nature of sin dwelling in our bodies. Jesus came and died on the cross for that nature, and that nature uh, was incepted and came from the Edenic fall, the Edemic fall back in the Garden of Eden. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for the nature of sin, but then he died on the cross for its attributes, for the attributes of sin. He carried it in his body. A lot of times we preach about sin and that, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He didn't just die on the cross for your sins. He died to get rid of the nature of that thing, the nucleus of that thing. And under sin comes sickness. Jesus died on the cross for the nature of sin so that you did not have to live 
uh, in sickness as a result of the law that you lived under concerning sin and the nature of sin. So now God gets rid of those, those two huge things. And so because Jesus, hallelujah, could not get rid of the last thing, and that's the body of sin, because that's where sin first took its abode. It dwelt within us. It dwelt within our members. It was crafted into our DNA. Because God can, we cannot get rid of these bodies because we have to live here until the day of Jesus' return. What he does is he affords us grace. Not grace to be abused so that we can go out and do what we want to, but grace that should we should we uh, chase after temptation, because I don't even want to use the word fall into temptation because you can't fall into anything. We have a, a very intelligent mind. You know what you're doing before you do it. Should we chase down uh, a, a, a temptation and then temptation and then temptation take a hold of us? Grace is there. To unravel that noose from around our neck so that we're not living the same way that we did back in the Old Testament. With the law noosed around our necks. Not feeling, oh, I got to do this. I have to do this. I have to prove myself this way. I have to do this work. I have to do this work just so that God can accept me. Just so that God will love me. Just so that God will forgive me. So he leaves his spirit, grace, hallelujah, to dwell on the inside of us. And, and then what happens is he writes the new law on the tablets of our hearts. So if it comes up, oh, wait a minute, the spirit of the living God dwells on the inside of us and his law is written across our hearts. You no longer live under the jurisdiction of sin. Hallelujah. So the anatomy of the reborn man. This is the upgrade and the convergence through heavenly identity. Let's go to scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And it reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The cross was nothing less than an even exchange. And I work at a furniture company, and this is one of the, 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 the courses of resolution that we use as pertaining to furniture. It's called an even exchange. The cross was nothing less than an even exchange. An exchange from the old nature to the new one. Now that you have been converted, it's time to be assessed calibrated and configured to the new nature. It's like buying a new, a brand new pair of, of, of shoes. They're gorgeous. There's no creases and they have a beautiful scent, but they're not going to fit until you break them in until the, 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 the fabric and until the stitching conforms to the shape of your foot. Each level that God moves us into will take and will need a new calibration. Every office that you ascend into, every dimension that you ascend into, every realm that you operate into, and these are new realms, new dimensions, new spheres, you need to be calibrated to be able to fit that dimension correctly. Hallelujah. We've often said that every new level, there's a new devil, which is a complete false lie. 
To every new level, there's a new operation. And we've taught that uh, that that fragmented doctrine for so long. To every new level, there's a new devil. See, the thing is, and we have to understand that the kingdom of darkness is absolutely powerless. The only power that they operate in is the power of imitation. They the 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 kingdom of darkness imitates the the kingdom of heaven, and the way that they do this is through facades, they and illusions. It's witchcraft. It's not power. Demon spirits can't outrank you when you have the greater one dwelling on the inside of you. Let's go to scripture, Mark three. Mark three. Verse 27, and it says, But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. We're going to go to Matthew. Matthew 12 and 29. And I'm going to break this all down to you in just a moment. Verse 29 says, or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Let's go to Matthew 16, verse 19. And it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in the heavens. Let's go back to Matthew 12, 28. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The way that you operate in this new nature is not through imitation. It is not through tradition and it is not through religion. And this is why Jesus did away with the old law because it kept man in a place of religiosity, full of traditions of men, and there was no progression in the spirit. Hallelujah. The new nature is... Uh, the new nature in this anatomy dwells and operates in dimensions and in realms and rarely has relation with the earth realm. Everything is and becomes supernatural to you. Let's continue. We're going to go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. This is one of my favorite books or epistles, I should say. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through seven, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Our dwelling should always be above and in ascension. The old nature limited us 
in the communion with God. Why is this? Because the Spirit of God does not dwell anywhere that is unclean, anywhere that is desolate, and anywhere full of sin. So he raises you out of the, of the dwelling and nature tagged by this earth without removing you from the planet itself. He takes the stain, stigma, and image of the ways of this world out of you so that as you have your inhabitants here, you don't look like what's here. But you look like kingdom. You are walking, you're living, you're breathing, you're a breathing replica of the kingdom of heaven. We often recite the Lord's Prayer without the revelation of what's being prayed. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Hallelujah. And the way that his kingdom comes is his kingdom comes in you. And his will is operated. His will is, is, is activated through you. Hallelujah. Through me as I am here in the earth, aligning myself with the heavens through the ascension of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. So not only have you now died to the old nature, but you have been reborn to live again. Let's go back to scripture, John 11. This is good. John 11. Hallelujah. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This measure of life is both physical and spiritual. Let's go to the last scripture, and then we're going to wrap up this episode. Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. And it reads, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. It is very important that you know your position and authority in the Lord. You cannot wage war on the enemy or operate in the spirit without an imparted revelation and knowing. You must have a constant position of victory. You must know your heavenly identity. It is so imperative. You must know your heavenly identity and you must know it through the anatomy of your reborn nature. You have to break that thing down so that you can see what God has now made you up of, what you're made of. There are privileges and rights that God has given us to ensure legal effective operations here in the earth realm. You don't want to just be able to cast out demons based off of the name Jesus Christ because then the power is only in the name when he's given you the power 
in the transfiguration from the old nature into his nature. You don't want to be able to just lay hands on the sick and they recover based off of what we, we've read in the 66 books without it becoming us, without we, us becoming the word of God, without us operating in the awareness and in the knowing of the law of the spirit, the law of the kingdom of God. You must know these things so that you can uh, operate legally and effectively so that when you speak a thing your word does not return unto you void because of the weight that that it carries you you must understand that on the inside of you there is an agreement that dwells on the inside of you that agrees with the kingdom of heaven your spirit and the kingdom of of heaven they walk in agreement so anything that comes out of your mouth, any exploit that comes out of your mouth, the kingdom of heaven, because it's in agreement, it shifts and it moves based off of the exploits that come out of your mouth to perform that thing. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, you do not want to miss the rest of this series. So stay tuned for part two of the anatomy of the reborn man. More grace.